This is Anthony in Areno, and you're listening to In the Arena. This episode of the In the Arena podcast is sponsored by my book, The Lost Art of Closing, Winning the Ten Commitments That Drive Sales. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to make you an offer to pick that book up now at Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble. And when you do, if you send me your email receipt to anthony at I'm going to send you a copy of the only sales guide you'll ever need, gratis, which means free. I will send it to you. All you need to do is send me your receipt for the Lost Art of Closing if you buy it after June 20th, 2018, and while supplies last. So pick up the Lost Art of Closing and get the only sales guide you'll ever need. Okay, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Anthony, if it's the only sales guide I'll ever need, then why would I need another book called The Lost Art of Closing? And it's a terrific question. But what you may not know about the publishing business is that you write a book, and when you do, you give the publisher a title, and they decide what your title will eventually be. And in this case, they said, Anthony, we love the book, The Only Sales Guide You'll Ever Need, but we hate the title. So they changed the name. And they knew at the time, and I suggested this at the time, that it's a sort of unfortunate title for someone with a two-book deal and an option on a third book because it's kind of constraining. Like I have to go back to people and say, you know when I said it was the only sales guide you'll ever need? I didn't really mean that. I meant it's one of the only sales guides you'll ever need. And as somebody who has intentions to write a book every year, it is a little bit constraining. They already knew we had the closing book on deck, and they changed the name of that book too. And they also changed the name of the third book, which I did not name Eat Their Lunch, but you'll see that when you go out to Amazon.com. So pick up The Lost Art of Closing, and the only sales guide you'll ever need is not the only sales guide you'll ever need. You need some more books too, but it is a good book, and it's a great competency model that will help you round off who you are as a person and make you someone worth buying from. Okay, now let's get into some content here, and I want to talk about why your linear sales process is broken. I published this as a blog post August 12th of 2017, shortly after the Lost Art of Closing came out. And I want to talk about this here because no one really talks about the nonlinearity of the process. And I think you're going to see more and more people and more and more training organizations start to take into account that we don't go one, then two, then three, then four, then five, and we start on one end of a a PowerPoint slide and end on the other. It doesn't tend to work that way anymore in B2B sales, especially complex sales where it's strategic and there are a lot of things at risk. So it's likely that your sales process is broken. It probably isn't producing the results you need it to if it ever did. A greater commitment to follow that process isn't what's likely to improve your results either. The reason is something way beyond compliance, and it starts with the fundamental assumptions we make when we develop a sales process. And I'm going to try my very best to set up this conversation in a way that makes what I'm about to say less controversial, and that doesn't have you sideways with this idea right out of the gate. So first, a few disclaimers. Disclaimer number one, I am not suggesting that you should not have a documented, well-designed sales process. I'm not saying anything of the sort. Number two, I'm not suggesting that any process that you use now should be abandoned or that it should immediately be replaced. I am sales process agnostic, which means I believe all of them have value. And when they're well-designed, they're useful as an orienting generalization as to where you are in the process. And when they're poorly designed, they're terrible and they're useless. So I'm agnostic about which one you use. I'm not suggesting you get rid of what you're doing. I am, however, suggesting that you stop 
and consider and explore a few ideas. And let me start this argument by making some assumptions. We live in an age of constant, accelerating, disruptive change, and there's no better evidence. The day I'm recording this is June 20th, 2018, and General Electric was just delisted from the Dow Jones. The GE being delisted from Dow Jones means that it might have been the last of the original stocks in the Dow Jones, and now it's gone replaced by Walgreens. The changes that we have going on in our economy and the world we live in are impacting the way our clients do business. It's causing the entire reimagination of whole industries. It's increasing customer expectations and changing their behaviors, and it's creating a great deal of uncertainty. Number two, what we do in sales is help people and companies change. We change the products and services they use. We change the way that they use those products and services. We change the way that they do business, and at our very, very best, we help our clients and the people we serve to transform their businesses and their results. Assumption number three, the process of change itself is nonlinear because any process that includes human beings, especially in groups, is nonlinear. And that means the process is very rarely a straight line and more often a process that doubles back over ground that it's already covered stops, starts again, and then picks up in an unexpected place and maybe even in an unexpected direction. Number four, finally, your sales process designed and written as if it is linear. So it shows up as a series of boxes that start on the left side of a PowerPoint slide, probably using the word target, and end with a box called one lost at the far right side of that slide. So think about the last few deals you have personally pursued. Haven't they gone something more like this? You had a good discovery meeting followed by another in which a second stakeholder uh, entered into a meeting. You shared some ideas with your prospective clients. You put together some ideas of what the right solution might look like. And someone in another department caught wind of the idea you were working on. And instead of presenting a solution, the new stakeholder decided to engage you in what was simply more discovery before asking purchasing to join the conversation. So you may have been way down the path, ready to present an idea. Something happens, and all of a sudden you're back in discovery. Or you find out that purchasing now enters, and they decide, well, we're going to do something different here. We want to have a conversation. The more complicated and complex the sale that you work in, and the more strategic, the more likely you're going to go back and forth between developing a solution, collaborating, building consensus, going back and adjusting the solution. And this is normal now. This is the new normal. So you have to ask some questions. Just because you had a discovery meeting with one stakeholder, did you really complete the discovery process? Even if you have all of the outcomes, are you really ready to present when a purchasing agent asks you for a proposal? I will bet you that if you look at your sales process, you can't find boxes that match the above scenario anywhere in your sales process. And don't worry too much about your competitors here because none of them have boxes in their sales process that match the things that happen in a nonlinear process. They're not designed to address nonlinearity. But wait, my process is different, you say. Okay, right now, If I were you, I would be saying, Anarino, our sales process is a series of outcomes, like I have a clear understanding of the client's internal buying process, or I have a clear understanding of the legal review process, or I've identified the key stakeholders and understand their personal and business goals and motivations. How can you have an understanding of the buyer's process when they don't? While all of those things are important outcomes and why you should be concerned about checking all the boxes 
they don't tend to follow a linear path, do they? They tend to go this way and then that. Maybe you like customer verifiable outcomes better, like the client agrees that these problems or challenges are problems worth solving now. Or clients agree that the solution is right and they agree to the timeline. Or client agrees to invest the necessary money and resources. These are all still good and important outcomes, and your client's agreement is certainly worth pursuing. Even milestones that your client agrees to in writing and that you hope to hold them accountable to isn't enough to change the nonlinearity nature of the process. You're going to have a new stakeholder enter. You're going to have somebody wants to go back and do more discovery. You're going to get pushback. Something is going to happen because that's the nature of the process. In my second book, The Lost Art of Closing, Winning the Ten Commitments That Drive Sales, I have a chapter on controlling the process. This chapter is something more than an aspiration for you. It's an imperative. And many of those who read an early copy of the book and a lot of the comments you'll find on Amazon.com have understood that the Ten Commitments are an attempt to control the nonlinearity of the sales process by looking at the sales and buying process as a series of commitments we make together with our clients. We might do discovery, review ideas about what the right solution looks like, add additional stakeholders, now do more discovery, discuss and agree on the investments, add more stakeholders, collaborate and make adjustments to the solution, and then resolve the client's concerns, which can sometimes feel like starting over when you're very close to the finish line. The future of the sales process is going to address the nonlinear nature of buying and selling, something that will likely be more nonlinear in the future, not less. This is going to require more commitment gaining and more of an effort on salespeople to control the process, recognizing the nonlinearity and greater decision making on how we move things forward. To serve salespeople and the companies that employ them, I think the sales process is going to have to help the salesperson discover what the next best step is for their customer and their company when there's no box that addresses the nonlinearity of the deals that they're working on. Sales leaders are going to have to work to test and verify the deals and their forecast using something more than the stages in the sales process if they hope to get rid of the abysmal record they have of forecasting their deals. My opinion is the sales process of the future is going to need to be dynamic, agile, and address the nonlinear, unpredictable nature of human interactions because that's what we do. Okay, that post was uh, put on LinkedIn, Why Your Linear Sales Process is Broken, August 12, 2017, coming up on a year ago. I still believe this is true, and in fact, I am more convinced that it's true and more convinced that we need to do more about it as salespeople and as sales organizations, addressing these things by understanding that we have to try to control this by making good decisions about what we do together next. I'm Anthony Anarino. You're listening to In the Arena. You can find me at thesalesblog.com. You can also find me at youtube.com forward slash Anarino. When you go to either one of those, I want you to sign up for the newsletter. It comes out every Sunday, my best work. If you're interested in productivity, go to b2bsalestoolkit.com. Take a look there. And if you're interested in training for yourself or your team, go to b2bsalestraining.com. And until next time, I'll see you right here in the arena.